keep praying for Kyle and Carly. Maybe that you could take a day a week and put their name there uh, and lift them before the Lord as they go and take the gospel to the nations. And um, we look forward to hearing reports of how God uses them in the days ahead and the years ahead. They've meant so much to the life of our church. They've poured a lot of life into this place and serving so many ways and and we feel like uh, that God has called our best and they're, they're going. Thank you, Kyle and Carly, for just being obedient, for serving here so well, being so faithful. And uh, may God raise up uh, others to follow right in line behind you. And maybe you're in this room today and you see this couple. It's been a long journey for them. It doesn't happen overnight been several times where they've taken just the next step and the next step and maybe today what you would do in obedience to the Lord would not know what nation you're going to but it would just be the next step what's God saying next to you about going to take the gospel to the world today I want to invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 9 there's a really practical way that we can help uh, reach people uh, that we're offering to you this season. We're just a few weeks away from Easter and we want to invite as many people as we come in contact with to be a part of Easter celebration here. One of the things we're doing is providing some Easter invite baskets or Easter invite buckets and out in the commons, maybe you've already spotted those. There, we began the day with 250 of those. It's meant for one family to take one bucket and you have somebody on your heart that you could take that basket or bucket to. Maybe you could add some things to it to make it even more special. It's got an invite card with our service times and uh, you deliver that to a family and begin to pray for them that they would come and be a part of our Easter celebration. So um, who, who might you invite? Who could you um, include on that day grab one of those buckets and make a special delivery and uh, let's get ready for Easter and this room to be filled three times that day we celebrate a resurrected Savior we live in a, a world today where statisticians tell us that right at a hundred and fifty five thousand people every day die without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ we, we have an opportunity today to look at God's word and see how we address that. We're talking about the I am statements of scripture. Last week we talked about I am the bread of life. Jesus uses seven statements through the gospel of John in a way to, to paint like an artist with seven colors. By the time we finish these seven I am statements over these weeks, we'll see who Jesus saw himself to be. There are a lot of places in scripture where people tried to tell Jesus who he was. There are places in scripture where Jesus asked people who he was. But there are also at least these seven places where Jesus declared who he was. And the purpose of him giving these I am statements was for him to let the people see that he saw himself as God. He saw himself as the Messiah. 
that his father had sent to this earth to save the world. Today, you sit here and maybe you're still thinking about, who is Jesus anyway? Is, he, is, is this my faith? Is this who I believe in? Is this really the one that would change my life? You may be sitting here today thinking you're a good person or you're a bad person. And you may base your, uh, your hope of eternal life and being in heaven one day on whether you're good or whether you're bad. When you look at these I am statements of Jesus, you see that it's not a list that he's looking for for you to complete in order for you to be right with him. It's actually a person that he wants you to know and to believe in, to trust in. And that's how you have life. Jesus made these statements. He said, I am the bread of life. Today we look at the statement that he made. He said, I am the light of the world. Every one of these statements are an invitation to believe. When he says, I am the light of the world, he's inviting you to believe that he's the light. And with this invitation to believe comes a promise that he will keep. The invitation is to believe and the promise is that, is that if you believe, you will receive eternal life. And I'll say again this week what I said last week, which Adrian Rogers, I believe, said the very first time. Eternal life is not something you receive when you die. Eternal life is something you receive when you believe. And today the invitation is for you to believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he wants to make that personal. He wants you, he wants you to believe that he's the light of your soul. He's the light of your life. He's the light of your heart. Now in these I am statements that Jesus gives, he uses the statements as a metaphor for who he is. But he gives a very practical miracle or practical sign when he presents these statements. Last week when we talked about Jesus being the bread of life, that came right on the heels of him feeding the 5,000 plus people. They were hungry. He said, what are we going to do to feed them? He took loaves of bread, pieces of fish, and he broke those. And he had the people distribute those. And they were all filled. And there were 12 baskets left over showing this picture of not just being filled, but abundantly filled. More than enough. Today, there's another miracle. When he talks about being the light of the world, he introduces that metaphor with another sign, with another miracle. Do you remember what it was? What could it possibly be? He physically heals a blind man. He physically heals a blind man that was blind from birth. I want you to listen to this story today from John chapter 9. You certainly can follow along. I'm reading from the ESV, but it might be a richer experience if you just listen to the story. However you want to do it, that's fine. But I want you to notice as we read through, Jesus is addressed as rabbi by his disciples. I want you to notice the different movements of the story. Notice the humor of the story. 
There's frustration in the story. There's um, somebody, there's a, a passing of the buck, somebody who doesn't really want to take responsibility in the story. There's um, a repeated disbelief in the story. There's, um, well, let's just, let me just read it. Verse 1, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was, that he was born blind? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. It's so easy to just read right past that. He went. He came back seeing. Verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. What a testimony. Formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. That's a reference to Jesus. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they again, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind. And had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I 
see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, why this is an amazing thing. <laughs> you do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir? that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Three scenes I want to call your attention to in this passage to show that Jesus is the light of the world. And at the end, make some application on what we're to do with the light of the world. First of all, notice the situation that defies the wisdom of man. There are two situations here. This, the two groups of people here that respond to this man. One is the Pharisees. The Pharisees were building their life on keeping lists. The Pharisees were building their life on keeping the law. They were particularly disturbed that Jesus had healed this guy, so to speak, on the Sabbath. And they couldn't get excited about him receiving his sight because they were so upset and angry over the fact that he had done this work on the Sabbath. And it was, it, was a, it was the evidence of their own blindness. You see this at the end of chapter 9 when Jesus is speaking where the Pharisees could hear him. He says, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And he, he goes back and forth talking about physical sight and spiritual sight and physical blindness and spiritual blindness. And basically what he introduces is 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 he turns the world upside down. Those who thought they could see were actually blind, and those who are blind are actually those who wind up seeing. And he's pointing out in the Pharisees' life that their, uh, their passion for keeping the law and keeping rules in order for their righteousness to equal being good enough to be right with God was actually a, a kind of blindness. And what he was doing was defying their wisdom. But not just the Pharisees, it also was going on with the disciples. You could say the Pharisees were blind. I would say that the disciples were blurry. Uh, their, their focus was not right. 
They had their eyes in the wrong place. They, they couldn't see what Jesus was seeing at this moment. Look in chapter 9, verse, verse 1, as they passed by, he saw a, my, a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's just, it's, it's striking that Jesus sees the man who is born blind. The disciples want to debate theology. The disciples want to argue over his condition. The disciples want Jesus' opinion about who's at fault. Well, why is this guy blind? Why is, why is he in this shape? And Jesus is calling attention here. He sees the man's need. And he, and he redirects them. And he, he says, look, the, this, it's not that this man sinned or his parents. But it's that the works of God might be displayed in him. When I look at this, I think about a time in my life where I've been a Pharisee. I think about coming into college, been in the church all of my life, growing up there as a kid. And it was just always every Sunday is what we did. It's part of our culture. We were, it was just, it, it's just how it fit. Football on Friday nights, church on Sunday is just... It was tradition as much as anything. And I go to college, and that was the pattern. I was a good guy, and I liked for people to know it. I was proud of it. And I would call home on Sunday and just to report to mom, yes, hey, mom, went to church this morning, send money. You know, it was just kind of this, uh, you're just being good, being good, just doing the right thing. And I can remember being very critical of fraternity brothers when I saw lifestyles that they had that were just, and I, I just thought they don't measure up. And that junior year, the light came on. And he lifted the blindness. And I saw that my pride about being good was just as wicked as any deeds that I had judged as being wicked in the lives of others. I've been a Pharisee. But I look here and I see the disciples and I think I've been a disciple too. And, and we can be disciples with blurry vision when we look around and we get so caught up in some kind of debate or discussion about somebody's condition that we fail to recognize a person's need. That they just become the object of our discussion. They just become kind of the subject of our banter. And Jesus is saying, look, there's a there's a person right in front of you. There's a life right in front of you. There's a soul right in front of you that's blind and needs to see. And what's going to happen here is not whether you win an argument or not. What's going to happen here is that God's going to get the glory with the story of this person's life. Jesus is dealing with blindness and even blurriness in their focus. When I look at this passage, I'd ask you to... Maybe we all could just say today, Lord, am I a Pharisee? Then lift the blinders. Lord, am I a blurry disciple and got my eyes in the wrong place on the wrong thing? May the Spirit of God help us today to not be the Pharisees and not be the disciples here, but he would help us be like Jesus. That's really what we want. That's really what we need to do is we need to be like Jesus in this story. That we see 
the heart. We see the life. We see the need. We see the opportunity to bring glory to God. Notice secondly in this passage the story that describes the way of Jesus. This story that describes how Jesus works. He sees the man born blind. He heals the man born blind. The man that is born blind and now can see goes through this interrogation with his friends. He goes through this interrogation twice with the Pharisees. And then he's kicked out. He's cast out. He's thrown out of the synagogue. It was a picture, we're done with you. We, and, and think about that, that day, this glorious day where he gets his sight. But in getting his sight, now the very people that had been stumbling over him in the past actually cast him out instead of inviting him in. And what does Jesus do? Jesus, in verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Let me just call your attention that when the world had cast him out, even that religious crowd had cast him out, Jesus found him. And I don't know the story of every person in this room, but it's not unlikely that somebody in this room could be here today feeling cast out. Maybe he just gave it one more shot. I'm just going to go one more time. And every, Maybe your family's cast you out. Maybe your friends have cast you out. Maybe you feel lonesome like you've never felt this kind of lonesome before. And you came looking. The reality is, is that you didn't come looking. Jesus went looking for you, and he's drawn you in. He's found you this morning. And he wants you to believe in him. Not believe in a list. Not believe in the law. Not believe in doing better. But believe in in him who's done it for you who died for you to pay for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life that's how Jesus works he invites him in what's the evidence of him believing he worshipped him he worshipped him Jesus became his focus. Jesus became his life. There's an interesting, I, I don't want to read more than what's here into it, but it, it sure feels like there's a, there's a tone here I want to describe. When Jesus said, when he found him cast out, and he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? To me, that sounds like he was tired. It just sounds like he was tired. It's like, I was blind for years. I begged for years. And now I can see. Nobody's ever had this happen to him before. So excited. But then I get all these questions from my friends. People don't even believe I was who I was. The Pharisees bring me in again and they 
critique me and critique me and and then they kick me out and now here's the guy that healed me coming up to me wanting to know if I believe in the son of man he just sounds tired who is he sir that I may believe in him and Jesus said to him in such a powerful statement knowing where he had come from he says you have seen him you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you and he said Lord I believe let me close this message today with this it's the it's the statement that defines the work of Jesus the statement that defines the work of Jesus was a statement made way back at the beginning of chapter 9 in chapter 9, verse 5, he says, As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. He had said this previously in chapter 8. Look in chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of of life he declares he makes this statement I am the light I am the light of the world I am the light of the world he contrasts it with darkness and light he said whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life this statement defines the work of Jesus his work is being the light he is the light last week we said I Jesus said I am the bread of life what did that mean that means Jesus was saying I'm the one that fills you I'm the I'm your satisfaction it's in me that you will find your fullness in life it's in me that you will have eternal life real life what you were made to have and now he picks up another color from the artist box and he says he paints this picture he says I am the light of the world the bread drove at satisfaction. The light drives at darkness and being able to see how things really are. Listen, stay with me just another minute. What blindness, what blindness meant, meant for this man's eyes physically. What blindness meant for this man's eyes physically. Sin does to our hearts spiritually sin blinds us we, we, we don't see the world we don't see the world the way God sees the world or understand the way that God sees the world sin blinds and when we look at a situation and say you might even say why, why did they do that why did they say that why did they think that if you fit that into God's world view sin blinds what blindness meant for this man's eyes physically sin does to our hearts spiritually but what light does to darkness Jesus does to sin what light does to darkness Jesus does to sin you walk into a room it's completely dark it's so dark you can see the dark the light is switched on and, and, and when the light comes on, what happens to the darkness? It's 
gone. It goes away. It's expelled. What happens in the room when the darkness is gone? What's in the room is exposed. And so the darkness is gone, and what was in the darkness is exposed. And what Jesus does as the light is that he comes and he flips the light on. He he expels the darkness, and he exposes what's there. He lets us see our need. He lets us see that he's the light. He's the one that we're to believe in. He deals with sin in our dark heart. Wilson and I, oldest son, drove into the mountains Friday night and it had gotten dark on us. And as we climbed the mountains into North Carolina, it was just hairpin curve. Just, I mean, you'd meet yourself coming on those curves and, and just winding through there. And, and I just, it got quiet. And I just, I said to Wilson, I said, man, it's dark out here, isn't it? He's like, yes, it is. And I'm just taking it as a country guy. Just, man, I'm going on those roads. And, and all of a sudden, Wilson goes, what happens if we break down? And uh, I said, I, I, I guess we, we get out and we wait on somebody to come by. It was just quiet. I said, it's been a long time since I've seen anybody. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, it has. I said, I guess we just would like turn on the flashers and just wait for somebody to come by. And, yeah, I guess so. We just kept driving in the dark. Well, Saturday morning we started out of the mountains. It was daylight. We're coming back down those same roads out of North Carolina into South Carolina. And all of a sudden I said, Wilson, I said, I had no idea we were riding right along a cliff. <laughs> he goes, yeah. So look at that waterfall. Yeah. Look at that view. Yeah. And I just began to think about how all of that was there and I couldn't see it because it was dark until the light came on until the sun came up and Jesus when he declares I am the light of the world he's saying I get rid of the darkness I show you what's there if you believe in me you'll have life you'll have life eternal life abundantly I'm the light of the world this is the work he does most of you in the room today, you've had that light come on. You would say, I was blind, but now I see. It's your, it's your story, spiritually. Now think back to who you were before Christ. Is it not true that you see life differently now? You see the word different. You see the world different. You see work different. The way you live is different. Why? Because the light of the world has come to your heart. What are we to do with this light? We need to believe on it. Some of you today need to call out to Jesus and say, I believe. Believe on him today and receive eternal life. Not only we believe on him, we walk in it. Ephesians tells us to walk in a manner worthy. Believing on him is faith. Walking in the light is obedience. You're, you've gone from darkness to light spiritually, and you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And the call to you today is to walk in obedience. 
to do the right thing. And then the last thing, what do we do with the light? We believe on it, we walk in it, and we do what we've already talked about this morning. We send it. We send it to the world. We send it out. We go out and take the light of the world to the world. That's what Carly and Kyle are doing. That's what you do when you go into your schools. That's what you do when you go into your workplace. That's what you do when you just go to life. You take the light of Jesus that's in you, with you, so that others may see and believe. Let's bow together. Father, I pray today that you, as the light of the world, that you would shine through us, that you would do your work of expelling the darkness, exposing sin, and that faith would come. We trust you. Trust you as our Savior. Believe on you as the one who came and died and rose again for us. I pray today that somebody would go from being blind spiritually to seeing spiritually that eternal life would come. Lord, convict us where we're not walking in obedience, where we're not walking in line with the light. And God, would you help us individually and as a church to be faithful, to take the light of the world to the world. Please, Lord. Let's stand together. These guys are going to lead us to declare praise to the Lord, to declare our worship, because light has come to us. Let's worship, let's sing.